Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health. With Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards is working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. If you'd like to know more about this portal, go to SoundHealthPortal.com, scroll down to the Videos tab toward the bottom of the page, and choose any one of the videos with Sherry doing a live Sound Health Portal workup with a volunteer. Pick a subject of interest such as neuroplasticity or perhaps PTSD, watching the demo of an intake and run-through with the portal tools gives you a really good visual idea of the amazing amounts of information available. Then, when you want to know more or get a sample workup, go to the soundhealthportal.com, look at the campaigns, which are free and always rotating choices, pick a campaign, Sign up for a free account, and the system will walk you through submitting your vocal recording, and you receive your email report back in two to four hours. I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing your report. You can also take the report to your healthcare practitioner, perhaps a naturopathic doctor, chiropractor, or acupuncturist, and review it with them. To hear and share replays of this show, go to talktomeguy.com. Scroll down that page and you will see this show in about 20 to 30 minutes after we end here. There are also archives of over 300 hours of shows available there as well. The site was designed to be very mobile-friendly with a built-in player directly under the show notes, complete with links we talk about during the show. There's a microphone icon on each page. If you'd like to leave me a voice message with questions or guest idea for a show, you can do that by a click of the microphone. With that, Zen Honeycutt is the founding executive director of Moms Across America and the Neighborhood Food Network. Zen initiated the first glyphosate testing project in America nine years ago and recently headed up a national school lunch testing program for hundreds of toxins. She is the author of Unstoppable, transforming sickness and struggle into triumph, empowerment, and a celebration of community. Director of the short film Communities Rising, and is an international speaker at many events. Zen joins us to talk about school lunch testing for glyphosate, heavy metals, and more. Welcome, Zen. I'd like to start at an unusual place and ask you to Talk about what are some of the short and long-term effects of glyphosate, pesticides, heavy metals, and hormones on children. And just brief amounts, because one of my comments immediately would be, we don't really know the long-term effects yet. Well, actually, we do, Richard. There are numerous studies showing that heavy metals especially cause neurotoxicity. That's brain damage. And it's often permanent. It's very difficult to get some of these heavy metals out of the bodies, and, uh, especially of children. And also there's numerous studies showing that pesticides cause all kinds of reproductive damage, organ damage, miscarriages, uh, actual you know, changes to the sexual organs. There's so many studies out now showing nerve damage from glyphosate and other toxic chemicals, you know, to the nervous system, which impacts, of course, the way their body functions, the way they think, Mm -hmm. the way they behave. So there's just oodles of science showing that these toxic chemicals are harmful. And, of course, we don't know the impact of them synergistically, as you mentioned, right? Nobody's testing, well, when you 
combined glyphosate along with lead, along with uh, an antibiotic and a growth hormone, what's going to happen to the mm. kids? You know, we're just seeing it yeah. in the classes that, that they are the experiment, really. Well, and neurotoxins are a whole show because it's so, it's so gnarly. I mean, it's all gnarly. Everything that you've mm-hmm. found in the national school lunch testing, which we'll start in just a moment, is so gnarly. But I really think the neurotoxins are extremely bad. It's all bad. Yeah. But the neurotoxins yeah. are really gnarly because I think they, they could be the tipping point, or I'll, I'll use tipping point, that can cause a reaction that would not be normal for that person. Because the neurotoxin is irritating the nerves, causing them to be more reactionary, I think. Let alone yes. what it does to the brain firing and everything else. It is bad. Yes, it is. It's, it causes erratic behavior, screaming, anger, fits, uh, you know, out of control behavior. It's, uh, you're like, who is this kid and what happened to them? And, and mm-hmm. I've seen that with my own family when we were sprayed with weed killer by a helicopter on the National Toxin-Free Tour, whole other story. But my son, wow. who was exposed to these neurotoxins, within seconds he had a bloody nose. And for the next month, he was, and, and my husband and I, because we were also exposed, um, we were angry, 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 angry people. And um, sometimes out of control, you know, like just, we wouldn't hit anybody, but we would smack a table, you know, and just scream. And it, it affected our brains. It absolutely affects our brains. And I think that's one of the reasons why places like Chicago, when they have very high uh, crime rates over a summer, just before that, you'll often find that they have sprayed the entire city with pesticides that kill mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. So they're spraying these chemicals that are neurotoxins, and then they wonder why the crime rates spike. It's, there's a direct connection to all of this. I agree. I'll stop because that's a whole conversation. <laughs> it's a whole I'll other just show. say that I was, I, I, no, I do have yeah. to toss in. I can't help myself. That as a child, it was so delightful to be driving to the Monterey Peninsula up to visit my grandparents in Menlo Park before it became Silicon Valley. And I would stick my head out the window to be crop dusted because the crop dusters were going across <sighs> Highway 1 spraying the fields. And that's long enough ago that more than likely that was DDT. Yes. So yeah. I was repeatedly dusted with that which years, a thousand years later explains why I had dyslexia as a kid in my uh, mind. So yeah, and, and, and scientists like Dr. Don Huber, who's a Purdue emeritus professor, says that glyphosate is going to make DDT look like mouthwash. Yeah. That's Oof. how bad it is. Oh, man, that makes me tear up slightly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. How did the National School Lunch Testing come about? Well, it was actually one of our supporters, Maria, out in Colorado that said, you, you, we've got to do this school lunch testing thing. We had a whole list. We, we still have a whole list. We want to do monthly testing. We want to expose what's going on in the food supply and do over 40 samples every month. If we had, if somebody handed us a million dollars, that's what we'd be doing. And 40 samples is a statistically significant numbers that the EPA and USDA can't ignore. And so we would like to test things that everybody is affected by, like potatoes or rice or coffee or tea or chocolate, things like that. We did test some chocolate um, and school lunches. And so one of our supporters, Maria, said, you know, this school lunch thing is really what we need to focus on. And she, she attempted to raise some money. It didn't work out. 
But then I, you know, just kept asking around and asking funders and different people. And eventually one of our funders said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll put in money. You get raised the moms across America money, and then we'll ask children's health defense to match what he is donating. And uh, they said, yes. And so we said, we're We're a green light. Let's go. And I put out a TikTok. Well, first an email, we got a, a handful of people to say, yes, they would do that. And then I did a TikTok and Instagram and over 150,000 people saw those and over 100 people said they were going to send in samples. Now, I don't know what happened to all of them, or maybe they just said they were going to do it and didn't, but we got 18 uh, different cities, people from 18 different cities to send in samples from 15 different states, and we got 43 samples. So, you know, many people sent, sent duplicate samples, you know, many different samples. Their kids got multiple lunches and things like that. So we got the 40, over 40 samples, and we did that in about a week and a half, and then the testing wow. took about a week. And we were on time with sending out the results to the White House National Nutrition Conference, which happened on September 28th. And it was the first conference of its kind to happen in 50 years. And our goal was to have this issue of the toxicity of the food supply, especially school lunches, which are fed to our most vulnerable population, uh, to be on the list of, uh, you know, the agenda, the topics of what they were going to talk about. And Unfortunately, that did not happen, but they have the news now. It's making the news. People like you are covering this, and we do have an appointment with a senator next week. So it, something, is, something, I believe, is going to happen out of this. What amazes me is I read the – I mean, I've, I can't remember what I first interviewed, but it's been years. And it amazes me that you have been talking about this for quite a while, and years, I yeah. remember, I remember back in the day when Michelle Obama was promoting fruits and vegetables, and you got kind of in trouble because you were making statements about it needed to be organic. I'm I, my my yeah. my term. You got in trouble. I don't know that you actually got. In well, trouble. it wasn't popular. I was in I was in a <laughs> Washington D.C. and I yeah. was in a a big conference with a group of moms, a different moms group. And uh, they were very well connected to the D.C. crowd because their nonprofit is stationed in, in Washington, D.C. And I stood up in the conference and I said, you know, I really appreciate what Michelle Obama is doing as far as getting fruits and vegetables in the food supply. But I've seen the results from Pesticide Action Network and, you know, other various testing to show that there can be 54 pesticides on an apple. So unless we're proposing that this, you know, these fruits and vegetables are organic, we could be doing our children a huge disservice. So I would ask you, anybody who please has any access to Michelle Obama to add the word organic fruits and vegetables. That's, that's really the only way that we would actually be helping our children. And um, that, that wasn't too popular. But, you know, I have to speak up. I have to speak the truth. And, and we, that's exactly what we found in the school lunch testing. If you want me get it, to get into the results, the, the fruits and vegetables had some of the highest levels. 427 parts per billion on an apple of a certain pesticide. I can bring that up in a second. Um, let's see, diphenocosinol isomer, 427 parts per billion on a red apple. And some of these, like the banana, you know, has maybe a dozen different pesticides. Some foods had one pesticide, but the banana, you know, had over a dozen. And so you've got to wonder, is it really a great idea for them to be eating these fruits and vegetables if they're going to be getting, you know, 
34, 41, 200 and something, 400 and something parts per billion of these harmful pesticides. And if you, know, you look these up and they, they cause all kinds of neurotoxicity, endocrine disruption, cancer, tumors, you know, all kinds of things. So that's so 74% of the, wow. the school lunches had at least one of 29 different harmful pesticides. 95.3% of the school lunch items contained carcinogenic, endocrine disrupting, and liver disease causing glyphosate. And that is a huge number, Richard, because when you look at the other types of testing that has been done by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, they tested 7,800 samples. Approximately between 40 to 60% of those samples were positive for glyphosate, depending on the type of food. And the detox project most recently, that's the most recent testing, they did uh, testing on protein powders and oats and different types of grocery store bought food. And about 60% of those foods were positive for glyphosate. So to see this number of 95.3% of the school lunch items containing, you know, glyphosate, it's, it's shocking. It's how are we feeding our children food that's worse that's, than, the, than is bought in the grocery store? How are we giving our – how is this happening, that it, it is so bad? And, you know, I mean, we know how. It's monocrop culture, GMO, corn and soy and wheat sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent. But it just seems like somebody somewhere would be making some effort to make sure that our children have at least food that's somewhat safer than what can be found in the grocery store that's, you know, highly processed. It's, it's well, really actually, and, and actually nutrifying their systems, not stressing it out, not setting them up for a possible future of various illnesses that are like, we don't know how that happened, but you have problems with your gut health. I mean, yeah. just, it, it blows my mind. When I was studying and reading your material for the show, I was just like, bad words came out of my mouth. It just <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah. But really, are you, you know, so many words I want to use that I will not, but it's just really, it's are you blank disgusting. kidding me? Are you just disgusting? Yeah. And I have and to add things, in. Go, oh, please do. Okay. I have to add in about the pesticides. I want to make sure not to miss this important point. So we've been mm -hmm. testing for glyphosate now for nine years, right? But this time, this is the first study where we've added in 220 other pesticides. And we did this because a lot of farmers now know that glyphosate can cause cancer and all kinds of other issues. So they're switching to other pesticides. And mm -hmm. many of those pesticides, the most widely used ones, are not being tested for by the USDA and the California Department of Food and Agriculture. You know, California is like the seventh largest agriculture producing um, entity in the world and they're, you know, they're a state. So they do their own testing. And when I was on the organic uh, products advisory committee board as a consumer representative for the state of California to the secretary of ag, I saw the numbers that the CDFA, the California department of food and agriculture brought to the meeting. And they said 98% of the 1200 samples that we tested for this year were um, not above, you know, did not exceed the maximum residue level of the pesticides that we tested for. And they tested for, I, I don't know if it was 166 or 200 different pesticides. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. That seems like that might not be accurate for some reason. We know there's a lot of pesticides in, mm -hmm. you know, in the food, right? Like pesticide 
Action Network tests and found 54 pesticides on an apple, right? And, and yeah. maybe probably twice as much on strawberries, like things like that. I'm like, so how is that happening? So I looked at, the, I got the list from them, from them of the actual pesticides that they're testing for. And then I got a list from farmers of, and a lab that, you know, that works with farmers of the most often used pesticides, the most highly used pesticides. And that was a list of 25 different pesticides. Like these are the ones that are most often used in agriculture. And, and I think that actually corroborated with um, a list on the EPA, right? Because they have numbers of what types of pesticides are most often used. So there was definitely, you know, um, it wasn't just opinion, right? There were, this list came from a credible source. And so I looked at the list of the most often used, and I looked at the list of what the USDA and the CDFA were testing for, and there were three of them on that list. Out of, out of the whole, you know, 166 or 200 pesticides that were being tested for, only three of them were on the list of the most, you know, from the most widely used. So they weren't testing for the chemicals that are most often being used on our food supply. They're testing for outdated pesticides that the farmers no longer use. So it, it, they can very conveniently say, hang on a second, only 98, you know, not out of 90, uh, you know, out of 1200 samples, 98% of them didn't have any detectable levels or didn't go, you know, exceed the levels of pesticides that we require. It's fine. This, the food system is safe. No, it's not. You're only testing for three out of the most top 25 most widely used. That's fraudulent. That's, that's junk science. So we, I was really mad about that. So when I brought up this idea to the lab, I said, we've got to test for the most widely used. And so um, it took them a long time, but they found a way to, you know, calibrate their, um, you know, devices and, and the methodology and all that kind of stuff and made sure to test for the most widely used. So that's a very important point that, you know, um, the, the pesticides that we tested for are the ones that are the most egregious, the most widely used, and um, 74% of the samples contained at least one of them. Right. And I'll, we'll go back to all the harmful chemicals, but I want to make a point and ask a question about, I can't remember if I read or listened to you say this, 100% of the samples had high levels of heavy metals. Yes. And, and my query with a string of very large bad words is, how is it possible for the EPA to have guidelines of lower levels in drinking water of heavy metals than allowed in food? What is that? I, I don't that, understand. What is that? Yeah, yeah, so just so your listeners are aware, you know, for instance, 0. 0.010 um, is, is what's allowed for arsenic in water. 0. 0.005, and this is um, like... If this says UG, like, um, I don't know how to say that word, UG to KG, like, um, kind of like parts per kilogram, parts per billion to kilogram, kind of like that, you know, to, to, to the weight to the measurement of a kilogram. Uh -huh. uh, and then for lead, it's 0 0.015, and mercury is 0 0.002. And what was found in pretzel, I believe it was, it was a wheat product, was 94 parts wow. per 94.4 parts per basically parts per billion to kilogram of lead. So when you divide the 94.4 by 0 0.015 of what's allowed in water, that's, that's 6,293 times higher than what the EPA allows in drinking water. 
And that's what's being found in the school lunches. And every single school lunch sample had, you know, not necessarily 94.4, but they had 0.5, you know, which is, you know, yeah, at least twice as much than what's, you know, two or three times more than what's allowed in water, all the way, you know, 16, 24, 39, you know, all the way up to 94.4 parts per billion, I mean, um, UG, UG to the, I'm sorry, whatever that measurement is to kilograms, I'm sorry. But it's, it, mi- it it's is, micrograms. Sorry, micrograms to kilogram. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So it's, it's, it, is, um, it is definitely far higher than what should be in the food when you compare to water. And when you think about how little our children's bodies are, how they're developing, how, their, how fast their metabolism goes, they actually eat more food, you know, during a day compared to their body weight compared to adults. So they're exposed to more food, to more of these toxins and studies show, um, I'm not exactly sure the source right now, but there, there are studies that show that children absorb up to 70% more of heavy metals than adults do because their, their bodies aren't functioning yet the same way as an adult who can flush out the toxins, you know, through their liver and kidney and pancreas and, and um, the small intestines and all that. So the children definitely absorb more of these heavy metals than an adult would, and it's during a very formative time. And it's just, it's so depressing, Richard. And it's not just because they're being exposed to these toxins and heavy metals and our food supply is such a mess. What's really breaking my heart is that the majority of the senators and representatives that see this information will ignore it. Mm -hmm. That's what really gets me, how a human being can avoid and ignore this information and not take action around it when they have the capacity to do so. They have the ability to call a meeting and say, hey, folks, this needs to be turned around. We're going to support organic agriculture. For instance, I just got an article today in uh, uh, just earlier in Epoch Times showing how $9 billion was given out to corn farmers, you know, GMO corn farmers, right? Monocrop culture corn farmers in 2020. What if that $9 billion was given to schools to buy organic food? Then the schools would tell the farmers, hey, we can buy from you, but only if it's organic. And this is what they did in southern France in a, in a small town called Bajac. The mayor was tired of seeing chemicals being sprayed all around the trees with the kids running around and then eating them and getting cancer, you know, these fruits that were being grown with chemicals. And he said, no, we're not going to give the money to the farmers anymore. We're going to give the money to the schools. And then the schools are going to buy organic food and the schools are going to give the heads up to the farmers. Hey, next season, we'll buy your stuff, but only if it's grown organically without toxic chemicals. And that's how Uh they changed the whole food system around there and the health of everybody in their town. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'll say... I'll take this on. I'll mm-hmm. say that I bet that this is a result of the lobbyists with suitcases full of cash for mm-hmm. the big chemical fertilizer companies and the big ag companies <clears throat> that support chemical farming versus biodynamic or something else. There is no lobby <laughs> group for biodynamic farmers or organic farmers that I know of. And it's, a, Probably. it's just this bad, bad string of words again about mm-hmm. follow the money. It just yeah. seems like it's about greed. It blows my mind. And that's why I had to bring this thing about the EPA recognizes that it needs to be lower in water, but food, mm-hmm. nah, who cares? I don't, it just blows my mind. 
have yeah, a well, question there. Yeah, well, there was heavy metal testing that came out in baby food, and those levels were crazy. They were like 600 or 800 parts per billion in some of the baby food items, mostly in the vitamins and in the cinnamon. For some reason, the spices, mm. the cinnamon and things like that had very high levels of heavy metals. And, and the manufacturers knew this, and they sold the food anyway. And what came out in, in that whole congressional baby food report was that the EPA has no levels for heavy metals. They have levels for heavy metals, you know, like maximum residue levels, right, in candy, but not in baby food. So, wow. Yeah, so I don't, I don't even, I'm not even sure they have any maximum residue levels for adult food or for school lunch food. I think they just, just whatever, you know, I'm not actually even sure about that. So, but I know they don't have them for baby food, and there's actually a bill uh, that I think it's Senator Booker. There might be some others that are actually pushing for, you know, better regulation and safety. And something did come out as sort of interim, and they're, it's like closer to zero. You know, they're trying to get closer to zero for heavy metals and baby food by a certain year. And that, that article is on our website at Moms Across America. If you do, look at the search bar to the right of the blog and put in baby food, there's more details around that. But we, so we knew that was happening in baby food. So we thought, you know, these heavy metals have got to be in school children, you know, school lunches as well. So that's why we tested for the heavy metals. And then while we were at it, the, the lab technician was like, you know, you're probably going to find veterinary drugs and hormones in this, this food as well, because a lot of this food comes from confined animal uh, feeding operations where they've got thousands of pigs or chickens or cows, you know, in very small areas. And it's so unsanitary that the, the um, farmers need to inject them with hormones and drugs, you know, antibiotics and growth hormone because they just want them to grow faster. So we added that in and tested and four veterinary drugs and hormones were found in nine of the school lunches at sample school lunch samples at levels up to 130 parts equivalent to parts per billion and and that was very high the lab technician said they'd never seen levels that high before they were shocked to see levels that high and that's very concerning i have to say that it remind when i saw these levels i thought wow this might have something to do with the story that a very dear friend of mine, I've known her my entire life since nursery school, she is a school counselor in Connecticut at a high school. And when I get together with her, which is not often, but, you know, whenever we do, like with an old best friend, it's like you've never, you know, you've seen, it's like yesterday when you saw each other. So she'll tell me the stories about being a, a high school counselor. And she's been honest with me. She said, Zen, this is, what's going on? These kids are in trouble. Like they are a, a mess. They have emotional, erratic emotional states all over the place. They are crying. They are, you know, rageful. They are like, they have all these problems. She said one girl, I think she was about 15, was in the shower and, and she came into school and she was telling her that she just, she started spraying breast milk in the shower. She was not pregnant, but breast milk was coming out of her breast. And I'm like, what? And she said, yeah. And I had no idea at the time, like, why would that happen? But when I saw that these veterinary drugs and hormones were showing up in the school lunches, I'm like, wait a second. What if there's veterinary drugs and hormones that are for lactation to make the cows lactate more to produce more milk? For sure that's happening in sure. cows. And what if this girl is eating a lot of beef or drinking a lot of milk? 
and cheese where there's these, you know, lactating, you know, growth hormones. And that's what's happening to her. I mean, one can only wonder, right, if that's what's going on here. It makes it just makes a lot of sense. So that is, this is, you know, these levels are extremely concerning. My sister-in-law was a school counselor for a really long time. And down through the years, we would talk about this stuff. My brother never wanted to be in the conversation because he was like, I can't hear about this anymore. Mm-hmm. But Lori and I would talk often about how she observed in schools, and she did it for like 25 years, and how she noticed a very similar thing, not the specific like the lactating, lactating incident, but how mm-hmm. the children were changing. Yeah. How there was much more, they were much more tightly wound and it wasn't mm-hmm. just school competition. It was they were they came in tightly wound. They were hyper something or withdrawn or you know all sorts of things that are what people like ADD or ADHD. That's sort of the classic one. Let's let's talk about that. But it was just amazing to how through the years she observed this change as we mm-hmm. get more and more toxin foods and more fast foods and more impossible burgers. That's a whole other, uh, but yet another show mm-hmm. that their diets are toxic, not intentionally. Parents aren't meaning to. It's just that the food that they're given off the shelf, you know, stop eating food out of a box. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Um, but yeah. it really did blow my mind. Every time we got together, she'd like take, we'd go for a walk because we'd have to talk about it. Cause she, she knew I understood what she was saying. And yeah. was just like horrified. And she loved being a school counselor, but it was at some point she had to quit because she couldn't take it anymore. There was too much fighting with a lot of too much medicating. And I, in my opinion, if they changed their diet, maybe there would be less medicating. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, the diet is directly causational in their hormonal and you know health issues. We're seeing that. And if they were eating healthier food, they would be healthier. That's just the fact. Yes, it, I know. It doesn't seem very yeah. complicated. Eat cleaner food, you'll be healthier. It's shocking. Yes. I yeah. think this is a perfect opportunity for you to talk about the female hamster cannibals. Ah, gosh, yes. Okay, so <laughs> we are. we would all surmise that you know, vitamins and minerals and nutrients that, which is also what we tested for, by the way, in the school lunch testing. And they were abysmally low, right? Very just low levels across the board. Copper being one of the highest ones that were low, which by the way, leads can contribute to autism. If you have weird levels of low or higher levels of copper and zinc, your the children are more likely to have autism symptoms. So these mineral levels in the school lunch testing uh, were also very disappointing. And they, they reminded me of a hamster study done in Germany where there was a monocrop culture farm, corn farmer, which that we know what monocrop culture means. That means GMO, uh, most likely was sprayed with glyphosate, corn farmer in Germany who noticed a rapid decline of a hamster, a wild hamster population in his farm. And he's a very considerate farmer, and he wanted to know why this was happening. So he contacted the local university and asked a scientist to come out, and they did. And they reproduced what was going on in his farm in the lab. So they took the hamsters, the dirt, the corn, you know, everything, and reproduced it in the lab. And they observed in the lab that the female hamsters were cannibalistic. They were eating their own young on the first day of life. 
And when they tested these hamsters, they found that they were, a, they were completely devoid of vitamin B3 and mm-hmm. the precursor tryptophan, which helps the body make vitamin B3. And when they administered vitamin B3 to them, the cannibalism completely stopped. So one would wonder, at least I wonder, gee, what about all these kids who are aggressive and violent and have erratic behavior? I wonder if they're deficient of vitamin B3 or some other vitamin that could be connected to how our brains operate in the realm of good decision-making and versus violent decision-making. What if they're simply devoid of some vitamins because of our agrochemical farming system, right? What if that's what's happening here? And when you, when you look at the science, there's another, there's an author called um, Barbara R. Stitt, and she got a Lifetime Achievement Award for a 20, year, 20 years of research. And her book is called Food and Behavior, The Natural Connection. And it's one of the first books that I read when I got into this food movement scene. And I was floored because what she found in the, in the late 80s and early 90s, and the 90s is when GMOs were introduced into the food supply, by doing studies for you know, five years at one school, 20 years with parolees and criminals and serial killers, uh, high school dropouts, all of these uh, children and young adults with behavioral issues and violent behavior, what she noticed is that when they took out the junk food and the processed food and the you know, high sugar food and put in whole foods, healthy foods, things happened. Their behavior changed. For instance, in one of the schools that had 5,000 kids, they, they had on average 500 of them drop out every year. When she changed mm-hmm. over to the whole foods, it, that dropped down to 14. Wow. And when she, yeah, when she studied the prison system, the parolees and the, the serial killers and the, 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 the violent behavior criminals, they, their recidivism rate, once they got whole foods in the prison system, their recidivism rate switched, meaning instead of 70% coming back into prison after they were released, mm-hmm. 70% stayed out and they went on to college and they got good jobs and they were successful. And when she studied what was the connecting factor, what she found was it was not race or socioeconomic background, these people that were violent criminals had one thing in common, and that was that they all bragged that they lived on junk food, highly processed food. And when she studied them, she saw they were missing certain vitamins, and one of them was in the the B complex or a B vitamin. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, hey, folks, maybe instead of requiring all kinds of toxins or drugs to be injected or administered to our kids to fix their behavior, maybe we should just be testing their vitamin levels and their mineral levels and actually have food that's nutrient-dense that we're feeding them, that actually has nutrients in it. So I just think we could fix a huge problem in this country called violence. I mean, there's two mass shootings a day happening in America now. It's, it's insane what's happening in our country versus other countries. And uh, there's, you know, massive number of children being killed in school. It's just horrific. And, and I really believe that if we actually addressed what was going on in the food supply and our kids weren't eating neurotoxins, uh, we would have, we would diminish the violence that's going on in our country dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to a day. I had this conversation with Lori, my school counselor, sister-in-law, about 
I really look forward to a day when a child is sent to a therapist for mood issues and the practitioner starts with doing an intake uh, such as, please talk to me about what you ate for breakfast today. Start there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's look at what we're actually putting in the body to not set it up to go awry. And, And we're talking about neurological acting out or triggers that can cause somebody to do something radical. And in the long term, how is their brain going to be? How is their nervous system going to be set up to have a healthy, happy, good life if they're yeah. eating string of bad words food? Yeah. It really well, let me, let me give mind. an example. Let me give Please. an example of how one mom turned that around. There was a, a mom in Santa Ana, California, low-income Hispanic mom, single mom with four kids. And she urged one of her best friends to call me who was English speaking because, you know, there was an English barrier, so uh, language barrier. So she, her friend called me and she, this is, you know, very, she's very familiar with her story. And she was there and translating to me saying she wanted me to know that when her son was nine years old, he had mental health issues and she knew this. And she told the school they didn't do anything about it until one day they called her and said, you need to come pick up your son because he just threatened to blow up a bomb and kill everybody in the school. And she said, well, I told you he has mental health issues and I need help. And they said, okay, we'll send him to a psychiatrist. So they finally did that. And the psychiatrist saw this child and then gave the mom a prescription and said, here you go. And she said, well, what, that's it? What a, like for the rest of his life, what about like fixing this? What's the cause of this? How, you know, and what are the side effects? And she was just very resistant to just putting him on a medication. And he said, well, you can either put him on the medication or you can think about like, you can look at what you're feeding him, like the toxins in the food, the pesticides, the artificial chemicals. I'm not sure it was lost in translation, whether he said GMOs or pesticides, but he said, you know, chemicals and additives and things that cause behavioral issues. And she, he said, what are you feeding your child? And she said, whatever, whatever he'll eat, you know, hot dogs, burritos, tacos, macaroni, and cheese, you know, just, American food. And he said, well, you can either switch to organic or you can give him this prescription for the rest of his life. And she's like, okay. So she switched to organic. She found a way to feed her child rice and beans, mostly very, you know, they got, they, they actually were um, starting to grow some food in a garden. So they had ate more food, you know, fresh food out of the garden. And, um, and within two weeks that one of the teachers called her from the school and said, we don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. This is a completely new kid. And she told me that at the time of the phone call, her son was now, I don't remember, 16 or 17 years old, but very close to that age where he could go to Walmart or some, you know, place and Mm -hmm. buy a gun, buy a gun and go shoot up people at his school. And she said, I'm clear that he will not do that now. He he would have done that. She's like, I'm pretty sure he would have done that, but he's not going to do that now because you know, I found out about GMOs and pesticides and toxins in the food system and we switched to organic. So I want your moms, you know, that you're, when you talk to people, I want you to tell them this because I want them to know that he's responsible and happy. He's helping the school system with putting in uh, gardens and the schools and community gardens. And, and I just really acknowledged the heck out of her because I was like, you know, your son has a new future because you made that effort to feed him organic. And every kid at that school, has a new future because you made that effort to feed him organic because they could have been shot and their family members would be devastated for the rest of their lives. I mean, thousands of people could have been harmed from a school shooting. 
So this, to me, is a direct it's, it's, it's a, a fabulous example of how we can prevent violent behavior in human beings by making sure that they're not eating neurotoxins. And that's what just needs to happen. That's what has to happen in our country in order for our country to thrive in the future, in order to have sane, healthy, productive, imaginative, creative, you know, successful children children that become adults that end up running this country, they, they have to stop eating neurotoxins. And, and the school, the, the military, not the school, the military, the U.S. military, there have been generals and leaders that have come out that said back in 2010 that the school lunches are a national homeland security issue. They are so bad that they are contributing to diabetes and obesity in children. And when they try to recruit Children, I believe the number is, I'm not exactly sure, but my son told me this the other day, that it's about 19% of the people that apply to be in the military can actually enroll because they're so, the rest of them are so unhealthy. And mental health issues and physical, you know, over, being overweight and other types of health issues. And, and the military is now at 44% capacity. I'm not for war or for bloated military, but I'm for healthy people. And if we don't have healthy people, we can't protect our nation, we can't think properly, we can't invent technology that's going to be, you know, have us be a world leader or a global power or simply safe, right? <laughs> so this is a national homeland security issue. And, and I hope that, you know, the DOJ is on this saying, hey, FDA, get your act together. USDA, make sure the food is safe. Otherwise, we don't have much of a future. I love the idea of a bunch of... Bird generals, those are the guys with all this, or officers with all this stuff on their shoulders and the big things in the, you know, on their chests with all the medals, going into the FDA and saying, hey, (laughs) (laughs) get it together, buddy. Uh, We're not kidding around. You know, you want protection. Yeah, I met with generals in China. I went to a food safety conference in China in 2014, and generals of the Chinese military came up to me to thank me for my talk about GMOs and children and the impact, and they wanted to let me know that they don't feed GMOs to the Chinese military. Wow. No GMOs for the Chinese military. What are we doing? So that's the testing that we want to do next. We want to test military food. And we need at least forty, forty-five thousand dollars to do that. So anybody out there who wants to help us out with that, please. That's yeah. next on the list. Yeah. Wow. That uh, is quite. That's mind-blowing. That in China, it's amazing. The other parts of the country, like in some countries, well, even I stunned to find myself bringing up his name, but even Putin is anti-glyphosate. Oh yeah. Yeah. Russia does not allow. No, Russia doesn't allow GMOs. In their country, Doesn't they don't grow. GMOs. They don't right. grow or import import GMOs. I I believe there is some glyphosate going on there. I think they even produce it and they probably sell it to us or to right. other, you know people in Europe. But um, yeah, no, they they don't uh, they don't allow GMOs. And I believe Putin was quoted as saying like, we don't even have to go to war with America. We just need to sit back and watch them kill themselves with all the GMOs and toxins in their food supply. I, he knows what's going on. We're I'm killing ourselves. I find myself agreeing with him. That blows my mind. I have to, like, lay down and let that pass. Um, That really, like, really? I'm agreeing with something Putin said? That's mind-blowing. But it's it's really true. I mean, I just just don't know what what future 
government agencies think we're building when we're not neutrifying the people we want to have our future, create our future. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, wow, how did we get here? We got here through greed, right? The, the chemical companies lobbying our politicians taking them out for lobster dinners, giving them box seats at their favorite sports games, letting them use their you know, yacht for the weekend, and saying, hey, we need a favor. We need you to go ahead and lift those restrictions off of chemicals in food supply, and we need you to make sure there's a nice big fat loophole called let's have these pesticides and chemicals be a process, not an additive, according to the FDA. If they were an additive, like salt, Right? They would need to be tested and they would need to be on the label. Here's how much salt is in the food. And even though you can actually test and detect these pesticides in the food, same with GMOs, they're not considered an additive. They're considered a process. So therefore, that big fat loophole allowed all of these GMOs and pesticides to be in the food without any labeling, without any you know, for the most part, any long-term testing, especially not on, on humans, which is what I pointed out when I went to the EPA. I've been to the EPA four times now over the past 10 years, badgering them incessantly with probably hundreds of emails about banning glyphosate. And when I was there at one of the times, I said, you, you don't have studies showing that glyphosate is safe for humans. And they said, oh, we have plenty of studies. And I said, but not on humans, you don't. And they said, well, it's not ethical to test pesticides on humans. I said, then how is it ethical to allow <laughs> pesticides in human breast milk and in our food and in our water? You need yeah. to stop this and you need to stop it now. <laughs> and I gave them the yeah. mom finger shaking. Yeah, yeah, the mom finger. The mom finger yeah. is a scary thing. I, yeah. I was mad. And, yeah. and then another time when I went to the EPA, I asked the director of the Pesticide Review Board, do you have any long-term independent studies with blood, with uh, blood analysis, right, and long-term animal studies, independent studies with blood analysis on the final formulation of Roundup. That means not just glyphosate, but all of the chemicals together. That final formulation, as you see it in, in Home Depot or Lowe's, right, that whole yeah. concoction. And he said, which one? There are hundreds of formulations. I said, any of them. He said, no. I said, then how can you claim that it's safe? How can you sell it on the shelf in the final formulation if there's no long-term animal studies, you know, with, with blood analysis, you know, independent ones? How, how, long-term means like over three months, right? Two years, five years. No, no studies. They only have short-term studies, many of them without blood analysis. Most of them are industry-funded. And lo and behold, the majority of the industry-funded uh, studies show that glyphosate is not carcinogenic. It's not, you know, tetragenic. It's not... Um, doesn't cause liver and kidney disease and all kind of stuff because they've been ghostwritten by the, the staff at Monsanto. And that came out in the Monsanto trials. So we know that the science is, is fraudulent. We also know from the Monsanto trials that they literally cooked the science. They, the, one, the studies about epidermal you know, skin exposure previously showed that glyphosate was harmful when exposed to the human skin. It soaked in and it caused harm. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And then you saw these ads on TV showing people spraying Roundup and espadrilles, right? And what <laughs> happened in between that was that they took, some, they took some skin from a human cadaver and they cooked it. And then they froze it. And then they cooked it again and they froze it again until it was the consistency of hard leather. 
and then they put glyphosate on it, and then they said, oh, look, it doesn't soak in. So it's so totally safe for you to use Roundup in your espadrilles with your bare hands and your bare ankles and legs and no mask on your face, even though in Monsanto our employees have to have a full Tyvek suit when they use Roundup and glyphosate-based yeah. herbicides. They have to have yeah. the mask, the white suit, everything covered. That full is criminal. That is, yeah. that is, they call that malice and oppression. That's what the, the, the legal term is that the judge found that Monsanto acted with malice and oppression to conceal this information from, from the public. And what happens? The CEO of Monsanto, Hugh Grant, his unfortunate name is Hugh Grant, and wow. uh, Rob Frawley, the, the CTO, oh, they just get a big fat balloon check and they get to quit their jobs and move on to other companies. Nobody goes to prison. Nobody pays any fines. They're killing millions of people around the world, I would assert making them sick at least, millions of people making them sick and killing them with cancer and liver disease and killing off our sperm in four different ways. Glyphosate harms the sperm, form, function, mobility, and uh, quantity, quality, form, and function, whatever. There's four different ways that it kills off and damages sperm. Glyphosate androgenizes female babies. It makes the anogenital distance longer, which is a masculine trait. That's the new science out on glyphosate. There's so many ways that glyphosate is wreaking havoc on this planet, and these people should pay for it, and they're not. They're enjoying their yachts. String of bad words. Yeah, right there. <laughs> it's still it in the blank. Really just, it's really just, yeah, fill in the blank of your choice. And for the audience, I just want to clarify. We see the use of the term on labels now. It's very green and bright and happy looking, non-GMO. Mm-hmm. So if a product is non-GMO, is it tested for glyphosate? Is it, does that no. non-GMO mean it's nope. glyphosate free? Nope. In fact, the detox project testing showed that 69% of the non-GMO products had glyphosate in them and only about 60, I think, percent of the conventional products that were not you know, non-GMO conventional foods with GMOs in them uh, contain glyphosate and 21% of the organic products contain glyphosate. So non-GMO does not mean no glyphosate. If you, if you really want to buy food that has the lowest possible levels, glyphosate and is non-GMO, you have to buy the foods that have the organic label on it along with the non-GMO label. Even then there might be some fraudulent labeling going on as we saw in, in the detox project recent study uh, because some products that come from, say, Turkey, like, say, soybeans or lentils from, from India, somehow magically they, they leave the port conventional from Turkey and they end up in Los Angeles and they're suddenly organic. And so they mm-hmm. have the same, you know, they have glyphosate on them. And you can yeah. tell that from the studies that they're the same levels were in the conventional uh, protein powders as the organic protein powders, the same levels of glyphosate. So that, sh- that shows fraudulent labeling. It's not just mild contamination. No, not just contamination from the rain. It's the same level. Right. So, well, yeah. Here, so, you, we, go ahead. so we, we need to be careful. We need to read the labels. We need to buy a, a, as little processed food as we can. We need to grow as much food of our, uh, of our own as we can. We need to know our farmers. Look, our, You and I were talking about this earlier. Look at farmers in the eye. Ask them, are you using Roundup? Are you using toxic chemicals? And if they say no, then you know, you can, you can, I believe you can trust that that food is yeah. going to be far safer than if you're buying packaged processed food from the grocery store. Right. And I will also add that uh, I live in wine country in Northern California, 
And I know biodynamic growers of grapes that produce have been producing biodynamic wine for almost 30 years. And I don't know when, and he had really quite a few bad words. Their biodynamic organic wine with an amazing reputation was testing positive for glyphosate. Yes, it was very low levels, I, I would like to add, which shows to me drift or rain yeah. or irrigation water, very low levels. Yeah. But, but yes, they were appalled that there was anything yeah. at all. In yeah. it. And that's why glyphosate needs to be banned because there is no safe use of it. It will collect in the rain. It will travel thousands of miles and dump down on somebody's biodynamic farm. Yeah. It will be, get in the irrigation water. And so we continue to work on that. The EPA has just refused a U.S. Supreme Court order to have, make a decision by October 1st to renew or revoke the license of glyphosate. And they said, no, we need until 2000, uh, I don't know, 2024 or 25, something like another four years, 26, I guess. So, yeah, so another four years. So they just, you know, this is how the EPA works without impunity, you know, with impunity, just completely they're going to do whatever they want. And that's why we need to continue raising awareness, speaking out on shows like this, letting our friends and family know, look, you got to buy organic, you got to grow your own food, you got to know your local small farmers and know that they're not using these types of toxic chemicals. And you've got to make lunch and bring it, have your kids bring it to school as much as possible. And when, it, when, a, when you can buy, get organic rice and beans with a little bit of salsa on top for less than $2, if you break down the price, and your kid can go to school for less than $10 a week with an organic lunch of rice and beans, maybe salsa, maybe a little cheese, you know, maybe, maybe $15 if you're adding in, you know, fruits and, you know, other things, then, uh, you know, I think that's worth it. And that's what I ask every mom and dad to do is to make the extra effort to give their child organic school lunches and organic food at home. And I know we'll talk a lot more about that when you come back. Because Great. you're going to come we back will. and talk about the Neighborhood Food Network. We're not talking yes. about it now. That's just yes. a teaser. I've got to run. I'm sorry. I have another I know you've got to run. I know but you have to run. It's wonderful to talk with you, Richard, and thank you to your audience. I'm so glad to be with you. And thank all of you. the links that we have talked about, and including you have a call to action link, I will put those all in the show notes so people can find everything there, and we'll have you back soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Thanks to your whole audience and your whole team. Thank you. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.